Welcome or welcome back to Human First with Dr. Courtney. My name is Dr. Courtney Tracy. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a doctor of clinical psychology. And today I have my husband on as a guest, Max Tracy. Hello, hello. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. To be completely honest, we just tried to film <laughs> this first episode of the show and it did not go well for many reasons that we'll probably talk about on this episode. I just want to acknowledge that it's been about seven months since we closed out season three of Human First and all of those episodes, I think all of them were with guests. For this season, I think that they're primarily gonna be solo episodes. I may have guests on, I may not. The guests may be my husband every time. <laughs> I'm not quite sure where exactly I want the direction of this season to go. What I do know is that I want it to be as human as possible. I want it to be as honest as possible. And I want us all to be open to the fact that maybe we have no idea what the next week is going to bring, but as sure as shit is going to bring us a lesson and we'll figure it out together. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing you can be sure of. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Showing up honestly now. There has been so much that has gone on, not only within the last seven months, but really within the last, I would say, two years, maybe even over two years. For many of you that have been following our journey, I been holding on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I randomly got platforms that blew up in the middle of the pandemic as a therapist. And then I got to the point where I felt like I needed to sell my treatment center in the beginning of 2021. And although that was many years ago, it, I think it's important that we start there because that's really where this whole journey that led us up to today began. Yeah, it was our treatment center actually too. What do you mean by that? When you just said, it was, I decided to sell my treatment center. It was more of a mutual decision, you know? <laughs> that's true, that's true. I guess I'm really used to just speaking from like my own perspective <laughs> and like talking about myself, <laughs> yes. And that's something that I think is really important to point out and something that we'll talk about along this journey is that I've had a really hard time accepting max as my full support system for many reasons and and yeah we'll get into why but i kind of want to start off by acknowledging that when i did sell my treatment center when i did sell our treatment center see i'm so it's like i'm not self-absorbed i just only talk about myself most of the time there's a lot to talk about there's a lot to talk about <laughs> for those of you who have followed my platform when i made the announcement that we were going to be selling our treatment center. I, I went about it in a way where this was an amazing thing that was happening in our lives. It was. It yeah. was. Yeah, it was. It totally was. We were very excited about it. Yeah. Well, we were excited because of the relief that we anticipated it would bring. I mean, ultimately, I think that that was the goal. Yeah. And being the truth doctor, I wasn't as honest as I wanted to be because I was really, really struggling. And I've had a couple podcast interviews where I have gotten open and honest about it, but not really on mine, <laughs> not really on mine. And so season four, here we go. Here we go. I played it off like it was the best thing that had ever happened. And, and, and I think it's partly because I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I don't think that was, you know, that was how you're feeling for sure at the time. Well, and suicidal. <laughs> some, some. <laughs> <laughs> dancing mix between those two like, things. It was like both of them. It and, and you know, I feel like, you know, I've treated suicidal people in the past. I have had passive suicidality for really the majority of my life. It never reached a point of being active. And I think that that's what yeah. I was afraid of. Like I was afraid that I was so overwhelmed and being pulled in so many different directions that that not only could I not show up in in the ways that I thought like our treatment center deserved the staff and the clients. But I also was concerned I was like not going to be able to show up for life, like for very much longer. Totally. I mean, I think it was like, I mean, the feeling of overwhelm back then just was, you know, all the time is constant, like always something to worry about. And, you know, I think there was a lot to still learn about you too. And you were trying to figure it out, you know, and you needed, I, we thought, you know, we thought you needed, and I think we were right. You needed some space to figure that out. Yeah, I definitely. It just went different than we thought it was going to go. Well, 
I think part of what we realized, which we'll get into shortly, is that like the type of space that I needed was not going to be found through just alleviation of this business that we had developed. Like when I came to you and was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I am struggling so and like it's I'm emotional, like thinking about how much I like was suffering back then and like had this huge platform and was trying to like show up as my true authentic self and like keep everything together in every way because I had so many eyes on me and just so many people who were relying on me. I was just so lost and I don't even remember what it was like when I came to you. I don't know if you have any memory of what went through your head or how the whole conversation even went down. I don't, I, it's been a while now. It's hard to remember back to it. I mean, there was, the emotions were so high and it was just trying to figure out what would relieve them. I think, you know, it was, and, it, and the obvious thing seemed like the business at the time, because the business was taking up almost, you know, it was taking up a lot of time. I mean, it was, you were struggling for sure. It was a deep, it was a pretty dark place to be. There was a lot, a lot going on where we lived at the time, personally, noise wise, baby wise. So I, I guess you were just surrounded by stress and we were trying to figure out where we could relieve it. Yeah. Yeah, we were definitely looking for stress relief. And, you know, for those of you who maybe this is your first introduction to me or to us or to, <laughs> to our, yeah, to Max, or to just like this whole platform altogether, you may not know that at the height of the pandemic, you know, we had a one and a half year old or two year old, and my dad had actually moved down to have a relationship with me and with our son that he didn't get the opportunity to have and that I didn't get the opportunity to have with him. And he was diagnosed with MS within a few weeks of him coming down here. The timelines, dude, always. <laughs> always. They always converge. Everything always happens at the same time. That's actually something that Sammy, our, our creative director, says. Like She just like anticipates. If I text her that one thing is going wrong, she's like, I'm just waiting for the other four things that you're going <laughs> to tell me within the next week. Here they come. <laughs> it's really intense. But, but it got to the point where he had to be placed on disability and move in with us. And so that was just overwhelming psychologically because as we now know my brain works, these patterns and spider webs are created when anything is slightly similar to something else. And so it was like this impossible situation where the overwhelm was everywhere, but now the overwhelm and stress was like rooted deeply in like childhood psychological trauma coming to the acceptance that we won't be able to backtrack and have this like type of relationship that we wanted. Of course we can have a relationship, but he's like really disabled now, suddenly out of nowhere at the time when we were like ready to move forward. So he lived with us, our house like had lots of noise. We lived on yeah. a highway. Huge, I think that was a huge part of it. Yeah, <laughs> like no air conditioning, insects like all over the house, which is like, it was just very reminiscent of my childhood home. Interesting, yeah, totally. And, and like, that was so much. So it was like all this childhood stuff. You're just fine like, living in it too, with now your dad now. It, it was chaos. Like I was so brutal. incredibly overwhelmed. And totally brutal. So it makes sense, like looking back now at all of these things, but then thinking, oh yeah, it must've just been the business like at the time we were just like oh it's just all these tasks that are consuming her versus emotions and sensations that were consuming her like we thought that yeah. like the tasks were the precursor to the emotions and the sensations and what we've learned over the last two years is that it's actually the other way around yeah i mean i think I, the the noise of that place constantly being on a freeway basically was i think that was the most had the most to do with it out of everything now and <laughs> yeah, just like the inability to regulate what was coming in and how often it was coming in and like feeling like there was no escape. Yeah, and there wasn't, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we were literally in the middle of a pandemic. Like there was no escaping like anything at any time. Like we obviously have a lot of privilege and we had a lot of privilege at the time too. Yeah. And it was significantly overwhelming. So this was April 2021 and we were thinking we're going to sell this business and then what I was thinking 
life's going to be fucking great. I'm going to just continue to have these platforms and like really find out about who I am. The stress is going to immediately go away. That's what I thought was going to happen. What did you think was going to happen? Oh, totally. No. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like, you know, we could go sell coconuts on Courtney's beach and just be <laughs> chilling out there for a while. But, but no, I mean, that, that didn't play out that way at all, even from the get-go, you know? <laughs> yeah, it really didn't. And for those of you who thought that that was like a random thing that Max just said, <laughs> I have this dream and anytime my life becomes too stressful where it's like, you know what? I'm just going to leave everything behind and just go sell coconuts on the beach. I don't even fucking like coconuts, but I imagine myself just... Coco's coconuts and like life is just so easy breezy on the beach every day like getting your basic needs met so that's what he was referencing like oh yeah we'll sell this business and life will be as easy as having a hut on the beach and just enjoying your life every day and that didn't happen yeah no (laughs) it didn't happen at all so six months went by it's like the end of 2021 and like shit is just worse yeah Yeah, I mean, it did get worse because more confusion came into the picture, more time and space came into the picture, and I think it allowed some other things to surface up. I mean, we we certainly have learned a lot. We really have. It's like, you know, we never even, we never fought about the business, even though we both worked there. Like, the business worked great. Like, it was was managed well. It was treating clients successfully. Yeah. We didn't, but it was but, good intentions, you know, it was like doing a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, was. it was, it was, it was a great business. I was just not in a great place. And what ended up happening over the six months was like, I ended up like this, it's not control, I guess, but it's systems and organizations that were present when we owned this business where I could have like these strategies and these patterns and and all of these systems working a certain way. And I was able to like apply that skill that I have or that like need that I have in the business. And what ended up happening was I kind of shifted that even more so towards like parenting and trying to like manage my environment. Mm. So like our arguments turned in, like we had such a hard time parenting. I mean, we had a hard time parenting yeah, before that, yeah, but it got way <laughs> harder. I mean, now I've, I feel like we're on the same page now totally, which is great. But yeah, we were going at it for a while. I mean, on... it was to the point where we were like, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it, I don't, yeah, it got really like, it was hard <laughs> to connect and communicate and like to understand one, one another and one another's needs. Yeah. And your needs started to shift like further away from mine which and i was expecting the opposite to happen after we sold the business because during the business courtney would mostly work in the business i would mostly watch our our child and so we thought we'd have a lot more time together and be able to come together more yeah and see you know see our situation the same and our situation shifted totally the opposite direction and it was confusing i think confusing is a really good word to describe that time period and chaotic yeah and And, scary i think and sad totally and and it was just hard to understand what was happening it was really hard to understand and i'm getting emotional because it was like (laughs) i remember during those times like i felt so i wanted to just like be a family so bad and like just found myself like having panic attacks in my bed and like not leaving my room like all day long it was so overwhelming yeah and i don't think you know knew why either so then you would understandably think it was me at times or like (laughs) something else going on at times you know and i think you i imagine you must have had a ton of confusion too with how you're feeling i never really like allowed even myself to like acknowledge how bad it really was until i told you i think it's time i see a therapist yeah (laughs) Yeah, and that was definitely a helpful process. I mean, I think you still showed up for sure as the truth doctor. I mean, you were like, you know, putting it out there. Winning awards and shit. (laughs) Yeah, but, uh, you know, there was a lot to learn still. Like I said, there was a lot of confusion, you know? Yeah. You were doing the best you could for sure. 
Well, thank you. I think you were as honest and truthful as you could be at that time too. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. And I think like something I've learned is like some things can, some things don't have to be shared until you're ready to share them. And then that's part of what this podcast is about now. So I started therapy at the end of 2021 Mm -hmm. and I did that for a whole year. So now we're skipping a whole year and moving towards the end of 2022. We bought a house. We moved into that house, which we also thought was going to be a relief of my stress because then I'd be in a different environment, temperature controlled, sound controlled in a safer neighborhood. Our child was older. We were trying to continue to work on our relationship. Like I remember that being one of the reasons that I told my therapist I wanted therapy. I was like, Hmm. I want a better relationship with my husband. I want to show up as a better parent. And I really just want to understand myself more. And that was the journey that I was really on throughout 2022. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I think you got a lot out of it too. And yeah. And you talked about the house and how we thought that would be, (laughs) you know, just bring this in another big part of relief. And it did to an extent, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't the puzzle piece we were missing. Yeah, exactly. And, and I just, you know, I want to acknowledge the privilege again, because it's like, oh, no, we got a major. house. Yeah. <laughs> and we thought it was going to be helpful. And it wasn't. And you know, it just no, sounds like first, sounds like first world problems. We are very grateful. And you know, when when we come to share what we're going to share, it will just make a little bit more sense to you. Um, why we're saying like, it just wasn't the solution. And honestly, right. material things aren't the solution. And we're not saying that we thought that material things were going to be the solution. Those material things like were psychological. It was like our first family home and it was the safety for our child. And it was just like, it it meant more to us than just like having a house, you know, like it was home for our child and for us. And, and a major external shift in environment for you. Right. Yeah. You know, we were getting a little closer, I think, to what was going on. Yeah, (laughs) that's a really good point is like we realized like there are just too many sensations happening in this house where my brain isn't working like my brain is malfunctioning and glitching out and that's causing like my psychological mind to attach to it it's causing my body to be dysregulated and like everything was just a disaster and then that's your whole perception you know so then you're thinking out of that perception and how far can you think through that you know not very far it's (laughs) like just the sensation that's annoying me at the moment in the beginning of 2022 just a few months after i started working with my therapist at the time I haven't told anybody this, this is new, is that I really had a feeling that I was autistic. And the only person that I told was you. Me. (laughs) And I got on a wait list to be assessed at the beginning of 2022. And I never got a call back. They never reached back out to me. They told me that the wait time was about six months. And I feel like for any of you who have been like trying to get a diagnosis, I work in the medical mental health space and I know how inaccessible things can be. And they're also inaccessible for for me too, for clinicians too. Like the inaccessibility is so extreme. Not like it should be easier for me, but it should be fucking easier for everyone. So I went through this therapy and it was helping in that it was like teaching me some mindfulness techniques, some meditation techniques. We tried EMDR, I dissociate too much for that to happen. And you know, just a quick note for those of you who have tried EMDR and it may not work out for you. I'm, I'm also diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and that comes with a lot of stress-induced dissociation. When you're constantly stressed with a disorder like that, you're constantly dissociating and or your brain move straight to dissociation when it starts to feel emotionally dysregulated. But my brain knew. It's like I couldn't be tricked. I couldn't be tricked into processing something that it did not want to process. (laughs) So the EMDR wasn't working and the mindfulness and meditation techniques were helpful, but we were missing another piece. And so as I started having my conversations with Michael, hey, Michael, if you're listening, probably a boundary cross, but thanks for all the help if you are. We, I realized that something else was going on because we were still arguing. Like I was still getting just as overwhelmed even though I was going into session every week with the goal of being less stimulated, less overwhelmed and more capable of having conversations with you just as like a normal human being and not treating you as though like, you were the cause of all of my issues every moment just because you were always in my environment and I was having environmental problems. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I think there was, uh, I mean, and you were like, I would say you were improving over the time, but yeah, I mean, it was Thank certainly, you. you were, were definitely missing a piece still. We would get in these huge blow ups and just, you know, be confused <laughs> from it still. Yeah, we would. And they were really hard. Okay. So I ha like, I have like questions that I want to ask you, but uh, I want to wait until we like <laughs> kind of get to the point. Yeah. Let's, you know, fast forward. We're at the end of 2022 and Michael's like, you know, I think it might be a good idea for you to maybe get tested for ADHD. A lot of what you're bringing up sounds like it could be that, um, could be traits of autism. And I was like, well, I did put myself on a wait list before, mm -hmm. um, like even while we were working together and I just didn't say anything to you about it. But so I, ra I, I ran with that and I agreed and I went to get tested for ADHD. It was a complete nightmare, as I'm sure it is for many people who try to go get an ADHD diagnosis. <laughs> Sometimes they just hand them out like candy, and other times they're other, totally wrong. Yeah, and other times they will take reasons to deny you a diagnosis that are incorrect reasons. So I took the computer test. I did multiple other written tests. I did a face-to-face -face assessment. And what I was ultimately diagnosed with from this older white male with a PhD who had been in the field for 40 years was anxiety, even though my anxiety <laughs> assessment, <laughs> I mean, it's like, we knew we had anxiety, we know. <laughs> yeah, I'm anxious. But when you actually fill out like the anxiety assessment, like I'm filling it out through the lens of like, are these separate symptoms outside of something else that I'm experiencing? So like, I'm answering them like, no, or minimal because they aren't standalone. So like he yeah. diagnosed me with anxiety when the assessment said I didn't have any, diagnosed me with <laughs> depression when I think I got like a two on the Beck's depression inventory, which would mean I don't have depression. And then he diagnosed me with attention and concentration deficits, but not ADHD. He said, there's no way you can have ADHD because, no way, <laughs> no way because you have a doctorate you maintained your your attention this whole time on this interview and sure. you told me that you read war and peace which is like a hundreds of page like hundreds and hundreds of pages of like this really intense like russian history or something when i was seven years old that there was Ugh. no way that i could have adhd because I mean, of those crazy. reasons that's crazy that sounds like so not clinical <laughs> like refer to the paper dude right <laughs> and the computerized test and the answers yeah. that i'm giving you on my actual assessment not just whatever the hell you want to say <laughs> yeah so i remember like coming out of that assessment and like telling you right away like this was a waste of fucking time i need to get another assessment right yeah Yo, you were pissed actually i was livid <laughs> and i like did it at an airport which i was like so overwhelmed like for that face-to-face -face assessment and like it was just like so chaotic and like airports are already so overwhelming for me very noisy oh my god and then just the perception of like everyone's staring at me and I'm like answering questions that are like personal Private, I'm like hiding uh, in a corner on the floor it was just like a mess to tell me whatever the heck you think about me <laughs> yeah so I didn't accept it and I went and I did another full assessment for ADHD and I was like automatically diagnosed. It was like looking at all of the answers from the prior assessment I had had, looking at all the answers that I was providing now. She was like, you absolutely have ADHD. However, your oh. diagnosis of borderline and your diagnosis of ADHD do not answer all of the, they, they aren't the answer to all of your behaviors and all of your symptoms. There's something missing. There's something else. And I was like, I agree. Mm -hmm. Like, I kind of felt this way, like in the beginning of this year, like, I just feel like I function differently than most people. I call that place where I originally made the wait, like put my name on the wait list for autism. Still. They act like they don't know who I am and ask if I want to be put on the wait list, which I'm like, no, I fucking don't want to be put on your fucking wait list. Like for another year, like this is such poor client care. There's no way your wait list was more than a year long. And if it was, you should have told me and redirected me somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. Why is the wait list the only option there? It shouldn't have been. They should have provided referrals. They should have called to check in. They should have known who I was wait yeah, when ridiculous. I called. Ridiculous. So I reach out to all these other psychologists for more psychological testing. One of them gets back to me. We go through the whole workup, which I do want to get into briefly, but I was ultimately diagnosed as autistic. 
level one autistic and we will get into that more but but i want to ask right before that is you said you have always functioned differently and you've known me since i was 14 years old and i'm gonna be 33 that's 19 years <laughs> yeah it's a long time so <laughs> what do I you i don't know i mean it answered a lot of questions you know off the bat but i mean when you say like that i've always functioned differently like before even knowing this how did you interpret me just like being different i don't yeah i don't i don't know <laughs> i mean it's hard now too to have this knowledge now it's all kind of a jaded perception in a way yeah but to th i mean i try to think back all the way to high school you know when we were met and together and i don't know i don't know i just loved you like you always wanted to be with me you know <laughs> constantly i'd be in i'd literally be in class you would come and like interrupt the class to come have <laughs> me go out to the bathroom just so we could like go hang out during the class it'd be like my favorite class like digital photography <laughs> <laughs> um but you know at the time it was just like yeah i love you i want to be around you all the time too but now it's like well maybe that wasn't totally <laughs> normal you know yes <laughs> so it's things like that i don't know it just was you you're always you to me you're still like you're still you to me hmm. it's just i think we have more tools now and i think we're picking up more tools now on how to best like operate you in a sense you know how to keep you happy and healthy mm. <laughs> it means so much to me that you just like care about that <laughs> and like still of see course. me as me it's just really nice <laughs> yeah but now let me let me flip it on to you that's got to be major for you to get the diagnosis what did you think back to how you've always been your whole life well like we went through the full gamut of testing where like i took i think it was like six or seven different tests and i think I took you some, took like one or two i think you took three or okay. four actually but you just did it in two buckets uh, maybe, yeah. something like happened as i was taking those tests even yes i'm a doctoral level clinician like i understand these assessments but like the two diagnoses that i knew the least about in this field right, were ADHD and autism. Seems so like intentional of your brain now to do that or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, like I literally knew nothing about them. So what was so interesting was, and first of all, like I originally thought that I may be autistic because of TikTok, okay? <laughs> so I understand that, you know, there's this self-diagnosis and everybody's giving lists and then even people relate to other people's lived experience and why does everybody think that they're neurodivergent now? And like, I, as a clinician, have both perspectives. Like, yes, I think people are looking for labels and answers to questions that they've had for their whole lives. And I think that some of the time, maybe more often than not, those answers that they're finding through the internet are correct. And they're just hoping for a professional to be able to confirm that what they believe to be true is true. I would say sometimes it's not, but sometimes it is. At least it gets people thinking, you know, right? That's, that's yeah, a huge benefit there. Exactly. So like as I was filling out these tests, I'm like, oh fuck. Like these yeah, are the that, questions. I remember that you saying these that. are the questions <laughs> for determining whether or not you are autistic. Like yeah, you these were... are me for like having these aha moments. And it's funny you remember too, totally. I came out and I like opened it and I was like, I'm autistic. Are you kidding me? Like the way that I answer these questions, like I, I remember. So something that you learn when you're becoming a therapist is that when you give screens and assessments to clients, like more often than not, and this is just what human beings do is like they'll tend to answer how they want to answer like whether they like want the diagnosis or whether they don't want the diagnosis. Yeah. And so there's actually like back end ways for people to be able to tell if you're being consistent or not. Like and that kind of gets more like higher level psychological assessments, but like we can determine, I mean, we don't know for sure, right? But we try to determine it based off the answers. So oftentimes like the mindset is like, oh, I want this diagnosis, right? So I'm like gonna keep that in mind. And like, I, I, I never had that perception, but I remember having the opposite, like, Oh my oh, yeah, God, I don't totally. know if I want to be as honest because I'm kind of like afraid that this is so accurate. Like, I, and I remember that being like the biggest thing I was afraid of was like, this is not the feeling that I expected to have answering yeah. these questions. That, that was unexpected to me too. I mean, after the test was like, you know, deciphered or whatever, I remember you coming into the bedroom and, cry, and you're crying <laughs> and being like, I'm, 
you know, I was just diagnosed autistic and I was, you know, I was like, I think that's a good thing. You know, I think that's good, babe. We can like, you know, work with that and figure some stuff out. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to it, you know, it, it's so uh, life changing. And I don't think I realized how much, how to the core it was, you know, I didn't either. I mean, obviously, really? <laughs> like I, I knew because I was crying and, and I remember, but I mean, I still feel like I haven't processed past that day like that. I still feel that way. Like I still. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, we'll get into very briefly, like everything that has happened since that diagnosis, because it was like four or five months ago. Yeah, pretty um, recent. So what he's talking about, the moment where I went into the bedroom and I was crying after getting the diagnosis, that was February of this year. February of 2023, towards the end of February 2023. And we had actually started IVF in November, shortly after I was diagnosed with, with ADHD. Um, and also quick note, oftentimes autism and ADHD do occur at the same time. And there's actually some researchers and psychologists at this point who are saying that people who have autism have to have ADHD, at least the inattentive ADHD, mm -hmm. simply because of the parts of the brain and how they function in someone that's autistic is like a sort of inattentive ADHD functioning. And oh, so like they can be separate things, obviously, and they are separate things, but there's a level of inattentive ADHD that's potentially present in, in someone that's autistic. And so it might- Sounds like the lines aren't like super clear. And they shouldn't be. I mean, <laughs> they came out with that study about all of the diagnoses in the DSM and how like, out of like the right. criteria for major <laughs> depressive disorder, for example, like those symptoms are found in like so many other diagnoses. There's it's only so many experience condition. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. I cut you off a little bit. You <laughs> no, were saying like, it's yeah. called the human condition. And like, that's the truth. Like we only have so many expressions of trauma, sadness, grief, happiness, excitement, mania. Like there's only so many ways to present and it's just different categorizations of these, you know, symptoms combined. And what causes them, I guess, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Like we only have so many brain parts, you know, yeah, that can like be them. working a certain way. And then only, yeah, so many ways that those brain parts can be influenced by something we experience externally or internally. Right. You have to see like the whole pattern to it all. Right, <laughs> yeah. So like, it may sound like, oh my God, like I'm just piling on all these diagnoses, borderline, ADHD, <laughs> <You> autism, <are. laughs> but it really is just, they're just labels for the way that my brain functions, you yeah, know? Totally, yeah. So like we started IVF at the end of 2022. We knew that I had ADHD. We've known for like a decade that I had borderline, at least presenting with the symptoms of it um, and the behaviors of it. And so like it, you know, the beginning half of IVF, like for those of you that don't know, IVF is in vitro fertilization. We have an infertility factor in our relationship. So mm, that I'm the factor. <laughs> so that so that causes us to have to, you know, do the embryo process on the outside in vitro fertilization. So we did the first half at the end of 2022. I don't really like needles. Even though <laughs> don't I don't really tattoos. like needles. <laughs> like well, okay. Maybe that wasn't fully honest. Well, okay. Well, I'm thinking about like the first half of IVF. Like it was more so like, I don't really like needles. It wasn't like as intense of a situation, the first half. So like the need, oh. the, the shots, oh, like oh, they go, yeah. yeah. So like the shots for the first uh -huh. half, like go in just in your stomach. They're like half an inch long. Um, it's just like super different. So we And did it was like one, I think for the at a time basically right one or two yeah. sometimes three it's it was like, like we'll level up <laughs> yeah so we did the first half but then we had the second half that we had to do so i get diagnosed dum -dum. Dum -dum -dum. <laughs> so i get diagnosed um as autistic towards the end of february 2023 i think it was like the 20th or the 23rd or something and three days later three days later after bawling and finding out that I'm like a completely different person <laughs> than I thought I was in a good way, which is how we'll probably spend the rest of this episode. Yeah. Um, I went straight into injecting or Max, I guess we went sure. straight <laughs> into injecting me in the butt with intramuscular needles that were an inch and a half long yeah. twice a day a bit bigger and the, the oil the way they go in is very slow. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And, and so like, I'm feeling trapped. Like, so basically every morning we wake up and we have to, Max has to do a shot. Then every night Max has to do a shot. At like 10, 
p.m. Like 10 p.m. You know, and like right before bedtime, right before sleep, right <laughs> when we woke up, like before we no take rest. our baby to school. So chaotic. So find out I'm autistic now. Please physically traumatize me for the next <laughs> like six to eight weeks. Perfect timing. It was a nightmare. I start having like really intense trauma responses, convulsing, shaking, not just, sleeping. Yeah, your body fully responding. Completely. Trauma. Like I'm so afraid of having to do this and I'm trapped in it. Like, and when I say trapped, it's like, yes, I we made this choice, but I didn't necessarily make the choice to find out such life altering information. You know, I didn't expect this. Um, and then to go straight into a life creating situation that was like really traumatizing. And it's really expensive to do IVF. It's very like emotionally taxing. Like I'm in the middle, we're in the middle of forming our like next child. Like I don't want to back out of it, you know? Yeah, not really an option, you know? <laughs> like not an option. Cause I don't want to do the first part again. Like I don't like needles. <laughs> like I don't want to do it again. And we don't have the money. And, and, and you're this far already, you know? Oh my God, it was so much. And so, you know, in order to get through the process, I'm having to like put ice on my body for like a whole hour in the spot that I need to do it, which is like, you know, the body's like, what the hell's going on? Like, you're just freezing me and like literally being in freeze mode the whole time, every morning and every night. And like, that's something I teach to my clients and to my audience is that like, your brain only knows what you're experiencing it doesn't right. really know why you're experiencing it. So like my brain and my body were just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. you're just so stressed, so traumatized. I like you'd be shaking all the time, you know, like trembling. You yeah. Know? Like it was so intense. It was. <laughs> and like, you know, we had this idea of like, we're going to make a the truth family account and we're going to have everyone follow along on this journey mm. of IVF. And like within like two days of like doing these like, in intramuscular shots, I was like, I can't do this. Like, I can't record. Like, I'm feel like I'm dying. Yeah, I mean, you sh you showed up as much as you could, and then couldn't. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm traumatized as fuck. I'm newly diagnosed as, as autistic. <laughs> like, when we still are trying to figure out how to communicate better. Like now that we finally know the true barrier between me and the world, and me and you. Yeah. and me and our son and me and everybody me and fucking everybody that's always been the case my whole life like why is it so hard why am i so different than everybody why is this so difficult why is it so difficult totally <laughs> totally yeah i've certainly had that question a lot so simple <laughs> things are just so? so difficult sometimes i know but yeah i mean i'm we're certainly still learning and i feel like we're making a lot of good progress but yeah it's it's been slower i think than i initially thought when you walked in the bedroom we get this diagnosis we do ivf i push my way through it as long as i can to the point where i have to go to the doctor i was getting so dysregulated i was like severely depressed from like how traumatized i was feeling i like wasn't getting out of bed at all and and I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Like, we have to find a different way for us to close out IVF. It ended up being successful, even though we had to cut the medications short. Yeah. So. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so we're very, very grateful and just hoping that everything continues to go well so that we never have to go through this experience again. I, I, I really wanted a third child and I just like, at least at this point, like I can't do it, you know, like I can't, I'm not in a place yeah. to like even think about it. And I don't know, I know you don't even I mean, like I want wanted, a third one. I always wanted two, so. <laughs> yeah. So like, I guess. I feel bad for you, but. <laughs> yeah, so we're in, we're in agreement right now. I think what I really want to address, because this is what really shifted our relationship, I think, over the last few months since getting this diagnosis of me being autistic. I want to start with how do you view me now through the lens of autism in comparison to how you viewed me before through the lens of borderline only? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, it wasn't, I, I can speak to like the autism part. I, w I wasn't referencing it so much with the borderline, but with the autism, like there was definitely a compassion that came in and like a more 
just leaving more space to kind of understand more, be like more accepting, I think, of the things that you did. I think that was a huge thing. In the past, it was more like before the diagnosis, it was more of like wanting, I wanted to just like help you, but like to like get to help you in like a neurotypical way to be able to do like neurotypical things, you know, and that, and just learning that you're not, it's like obviously not the right approach, right? It's yeah. more of an accepting approach and figuring out. I mean, I have so much to learn still about autism. So it's like learning and figuring out what just the best thing is to do. I just would think it was more you being mean. I feel like at the time, at those times and that you were, I don't know, for some reason more capable with just mm -hmm. that diagnosis, which seems kind of, you know, incorrect. But but now kind of the blow ups and things like that are just the perception of them is a bit different, right? Like why they're actually happening is different. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's like something that I really got out of it, too. I never knew why I was having such intense meltdowns. Like I never knew why everything was so overwhelming for me. And like the external messages that I like would constantly get was just like, because you're fucking controlling like and not just from you just like from my parents and from my friends it's just like you're fucking controlling like you're obsessed with having everything be the way that you want it to be you think everyone else around you is wrong and you're the only one that's right you're <laughs> totally inflexible and are selfish in the way that you want things to go um and you're weak like fix yourself like, I know that these things have happened to you in your life in the past, but like, when the fuck are you going to grow up? Like, those were the messages that I was constantly receiving. And so it made it impossible. Like, I could never focus on the why. It was always on the like, it wasn't like why it's happening. It was like, how are you going to make it stop? Right. And that's like actually what ended up being like where we're trying to find all these solutions. Like, okay, she's having significant overwhelm let's sell the business. Like, how are we going to make it stop? Like as if it was something that could be stopped. And right. of course you can like improve autistic responses, like so that, you know, I can be more regulated and like everyone can engage in self-regulation tools after they understand themselves. But it was just like, it was like, I already was just lacking so much. Like that was the message was like, you're so far behind and you don't know how to get better, but like get better now quickly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. you know? <laughs> well, and it was so interesting when you were just describing like all those kind of like negative things people would say to you or think about you, like, you know, like in a sense, like they weren't, that's not wrong or inaccurate. Like you did behave those ways, yeah. but now that the story is different, like those, I don't think anyone would call those behaviors, those things anymore. You know what I mean? Like. Well, people who are compassionate and understand <laughs> wouldn't. I suppose, yeah. I mean, there's more to understand. There's more to the story, essentially. It's not yeah. not as simple as you're being a bitch. And I and I there's like you know a reason that he's saying that, and and I think it's important <laughs> to bring that up. When I told my mother that I had been diagnosed with autism, her first sentence out of her mouth was, "Oh, so you're not just a bitch." And she said it in like a loving joking way but she didn't say anything else except for that <laughs> so and you know like for a short period after that like maybe five or ten minutes that was like it and then she like moved on with her life i guess which is another topic of conversation but it just really goes to show that that was the perception and honestly like i honed in on that perception like i liked being a bitch and part of it was because it protected me you know like well, yeah you definitely did identify with it especially in high school you know and i think it was something you understood it was something you you know could make some sense of now it makes a lot more sense it will it allowed me to define my place in any group of people like oh, yeah. i remember even like when i'm like oh yeah like i went to rehab when i was 15 for meth which i did but when people ask me like oh and then did it just like cure you and it was like no i went to rehab because i wanted to be seen as the drug addict in the school like i needed an identity like i needed a label i needed to know how i was supposed to function like it's like i was always just searching for some way for people to understand me so that i could at least understand how i was supposed to be showing up it never helped me understand myself more but if i knew the expectations of other people good or bad i could just meet those expectations 
and not have to worry about it. So like being the bitch, being the slut, being the liar, like it was just, I'll just be that because it's easier. It keeps people away from me and it makes sense why life is so difficult because I'm a bitch and a cheater and a liar, you know? Like it just, it was like a false story that everyone bought into because there was no other story at the time. So do you feel like that has changed now post-diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, significantly. All of the behaviors that I enacted, which have no excuse in any way. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about like, you know, perceiving those situations differently now. It doesn't justify like the pain that I caused myself, like like the feelings that I know that I'll have for not only like the things that I did to myself and other people, but also just like having those experiences and just like knowing how dreadful they were, like just being mean or being unfaithful or drowning myself in drugs and alcohol terrible you know and then like the effects that it had on other people and primarily on you like those things are not okay um and at the same time it does give me the ability to forgive myself a little and to realize that I don't want to be that way moving forward. And there are some things that have been resolved that were that really were attached a lot more to my borderline diagnosis, like the compulsive lying and the infidelity and the straight up numbing, just constant of any way, whether that was like emotional anger so I could numb how I was really feeling or actual substances to numb how I was feeling. But there's still like things that remain, you know, that I like still know that I need to be working on, but I have resolved a lot of them. So I have compassion for the person that used to enact all of those behaviors. And it makes sense how I found myself in a lot of the situations that I found myself in. Do you understand? Can you see? I just say the same shit over and over again. That's the third time I've said situations people find themselves in, situations I find myself in. (laughs) There are a million different ways to say that. And I say it the same way and have for at least the almost four years of this platform. (laughs) And now I can't help but catch myself. And I'm like, God damn it, Courtney. You really need to expand the way you talk. And maybe none of you realize that, but like I catch it every fucking time now. Yeah, I didn't even know if you were talking right now. You're going to cut that part out of the podcast or not, but we're keeping it in for sure. Yeah, we have to keep it in. I had a couple moments since my diagnosis just over the last four months where I have been, I mean, I've had complete meltdowns. And my passive suicidality hasn't turned active you know, and the difference is like passive suicidality is just like thoughts and feelings. Active suicidality is like you have a plan that you want to end your life and you have intention to follow through with that plan. It feels like it got that far and I feel like it also didn't get that far, but it really felt like I was there. Like it, I was the scare. It was this, I've been two of the places I've been in in the last four months were two of the scare mentally were two of the scariest places I've ever been in my whole life. And I remember during one of those experiences, it was like a complete meltdown that was based off of like overstimulation and like severe distress and detachment from you, inability to communicate, like all of like the signs, all of like the symptoms of, of being autistic. And, and just quick side note, you can be autistic and then you can have autism spectrum disorder. If it's a, and this is important for the community to understand, it can be a disorder if it's affecting your life significantly and the way that you function. And right now I would say that I like, <laughs> I'm very much like in, in the, dis, like I'm, I'm in the disorder. Like it is affecting my life. It is causing me dysfunction. It always has caused me dysfunction, but it's in a similar way where like, I say like, I don't really have borderline personality disorder anymore. I just have mm. borderline personality. Like, Interesting. It, yeah. I don't meet the criteria, but like, I'm still very much borderline. And like, I think I always <laughs> will be. I just have a lot more control. And yeah. that's separate than the autism. Like, I think that the autism is causing dysfunction in my life. For sure. Clearly. Yeah, obviously. During that moment when I was having a complete meltdown, moving from passive to potentially active suicidality, and this was just literally in like March or April, 
um, which is another reason why we're like, let's not open up the business at this moment, because this seems oddly familiar to the middle of 2021 when you said you couldn't do it. I remember one of, I remember feeling like you were judging me so much. And like every like reaction I was having, every way that I was perceiving the situation was just like wrong and inappropriate and like a disaster. And I like what all day? while I was like trying to keep myself calm. We're on the road, we're in Laguna uh, Beach. Like uh, we're going to go like park at the beach to like hang out with our toddler for the day. I have like a nice family day and it just ends up in complete meltdown, huge traumatic responses, major fight. Like, like, like it's as extreme as it gets probably. Really, really <laughs> bad. And I remember feeling just like so judged by you. And I remember and like, and you were in the heat of the moment in the same way that I was. And I was like, can you just stop judging me? Like, when are you gonna stop judging me and like the way that I behave? And your initial response, again, in the heat of the moment was, <laughs> I will always judge you. And you didn't mean it nicely. <laughs> and I remember my, my, my response to that internally was like, he is judging me through borderline stigma right now. Like that's what's happening. Like I felt so perceived as a monster and we've come together since then. And you've been able to like reflect. I mean, I've done a lot of reflection too. And if you're a partner of someone like me, then the reflection and you wanna be in the relationship, then like reflection is important on your end too. And I feel like that could be helpful if we could just talk a little bit about that, like as we close like out this episode is just like, like the journey for me of going from like, just thinking that I have borderline to realizing like one of the major causes of me developing these borderline symptoms was because of like my autism and like my severe distress and like severe rigidity and like, inability to communicate and form relationships and understand the world and, and not being understood by the world i think right yeah <laughs> i mean like being rejected for the most for most of my life because i was just too much i was just too much for people um that's been a lot for me to process and and i just feel like that was such a great that was a fucking brutal day but it was like a great day because i think that was the day like things really started to change for us because i remember yeah. you you were laying on the couch down here because i was like don't even fucking think about being in the bedroom with me <laughs> and you texted me back after like some time of contemplation and you were like you know what courtney i think you're right i think i judge you way too much yeah that's true i do remember coming to that conclusion i i honestly i don't remember a whole lot about that day because it was the emotions were so high i think it you know there was a lot going on yes <laughs> i was unmanageable at the and time it was scary it was scary and well you said something you were like i'm afraid of you being around bodhi and like i broke when you said that that's something that's said so often to like women that have borderline. And like, I get these comments even, you know, of like, you know, like you're not a monster unless you have kids or like, I feel so bad for her child or like, when like, I've it's never terrible. treated Bodhi I mean, poorly best. ever. You no, know? You're the best mom. It's, it's impressive how you can show up and be the mom. Thank you. Whatever's happening. Thank you. It's, and I don't mean to call you out on that either. It's no, just I feel like, bad for saying it. It just was scary at the moment. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, and I get that. And I get that. And like, you don't know what's going on within me because I can't communicate what's going on within me. You don't know, like, do I still have that like lever pulled back? Like, do I still have that? like ability to be you know and yeah. like it's it I mean, as people a snap you know <laughs> like, i know they do and so like it was an appropriate fear for you to have to an extent right but it was also rooted in the borderline i would imagine well i get i don't know i mean i think it was rooted in like how much what like how much your emotional or like the fight started with how much it just like didn't fit in my perception the situation you know yeah um so I think that's where that came from. <laughs> yeah, but it was just so nice, like when you reached the point where you were like, you know what, like I do, 
I do judge you too much and too harshly and, and incorrectly. And this was even yeah. after the diagnosis, which is why right. I think it's important to talk about because it's not like the understanding just came right away. And like the change certainly is still something we're like really working on. Still going. Yeah. When was it? How long after that diagnosis? It was like was two months after. Damn, yeah, it's a while too. Yeah. I like, feel like that was the last one though, right? No, it was. That's why I was like, it's so important to bring it up because it was like, it was like a breaking point for us. It like broke in a good way. Like it broke the pattern of I, like you like needed to judge me because you needed to protect yourself. Yeah, like, like after safety. everything that I've put you through over the years and that we've been through, like that judgment was a defense, that judgment was a protection. And like, and it became something that was unconscious and that was automatic. And, and we reached a point where it was like, wait, like, and in the same way that I, like, I judged you for almost two decades of like, you're the problem in my environment. Like my environment is difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's unstable. And it's you because you aren't making it stable. Like, and that was like the combination (laughs) of the autism and the borderline. It was like, it's your fault that I'm having all of these problems because (laughs) you're the closest person to me. So you must be the reason. So you're blaming me while I'm blaming you. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I know. And so like we reached a point that day where it was like, wait like we both just like really need to understand like what what's really happening in these moments and how i can take care of myself you can take care of yourself and we can take care of each other totally i mean yeah don't want to get back to those places again you know no yeah (laughs) we don't and we have another little one on the way and i'm (laughs) proud of us because it's that was only like what two three months ago and i feel like we have come so far in our ability (laughs) yeah like to communicate to create systems to become a team it was just like this third wheel that like was fucking invisible but was like directing our relationship (laughs) you know like and my life my whole life you know and almost your whole life before we started recording the episode in the way that we just did just having max just having you on yeah. it was like we tried to do the whole like max is gonna ask me questions but then i'm gonna rephrase the questions as though i'm doing the podcast by myself so that i stay on track and it's gonna be the producer yeah <laughs> and it failed miserably not, not and producer. it didn't work but here's the thing normally that would have turned into a complete fucking meltdown yeah true and totally you and I separately and together were able to like manage our own distress, like understand what could happen if we like misstepped in any way. And I was able to like really stay calm and like regulate my physiology, know when to take a break and also not give up on this. Totally. I'm actually super impressed with you today and and that we actually just did this. I I did not think, (laughs) I didn't think it was going to happen though. So it's encouraging for sure good progress yeah it is thank you i appreciate that and i do have to say that like a lot of it was because like you were less reactionary to like any reaction that i was having when someone has a mental health disorder it's obviously on them to do what they need to do to like repair the symptoms and like reduce like the way that they're feeling and the way that they're behaving and we all need a support system and we all need like a healthy environment that's going to allow us to do that and so like in the beginning of like the post-diagnosis it was like it felt like i was we were still trying to create that environment and i was still trying to like get that environment so i could move forward and now it feels like we're both like creating the environment together that's like making healing so much more possible yeah and and it just seems so necessary you know when you think about it like it's all connect everything's connected you know like how can you you know it has to be that way well i mean they say that like it's genetics and environment that can contribute to disorders and like it's environment also that can contribute to the alleviation of it you know like we don't heal in isolation unless like we maybe need independence because we have like dependent personality disorder or something where like we need to work on doing things ourselves um but yeah i feel like people often miss that where like they're trying to have someone in their life heal but 
they refuse to change anything or even yeah. support a change in the environment. And so then like the healing becomes that much harder. Yeah. And that much more of a disconnect, right? <laughs> right. And then more of like a blame, like, why have you not? Why have you not? When like you yourself, not you, but like the person pointing is like part of the environment. So it's like, why have you not improved? And it's like, well, you're part of the equation. Yeah. Like, because yeah. you're a negative in this equation, I'm trying to make positive. You know, like, that's why it's still negative, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm trying to think back. I feel like that was kind of, like, the initial perception, I guess, I had, you know? Like, it was, like, you got the diagnosis, so you're going to learn from that, right? I'm not going to have to do too much, but, yeah. You know, I just think maybe that's part of the why, why we're still, why it took a while to keep, to get where we're at right now, even. Well, yeah, and it's, like, decades of, like, bullshit like that I experienced, that I put us between, that you experienced, that you put me through, that I put you, like, it's just, like, people probably wonder, like, what the hell made you stay with me through all of this to even get to this point? And I feel like that is a question that I want to ask and, and a question that I think <laughs> people listening to this podcast that have borderline or know someone with it, like, they'd want to know, like, I didn't force you to stay with me. No, and no, so no. I'm, I am curious. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I have the answer to that, honestly. I mean, I just, I love you and I have always done my best to see you and like, it's just never been fair that like you're in pain. Like I know like at your heart that you're such a good person and I've, you know, and it's always been confusing again that the, that two, the, you know, someone's so good and someone can be so mean at the same time or something, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I guess I don't know. Maybe I've always thought there's more going on and I've just, I just, I, and I've always just felt like with you, I guess, like it's like you are part of me and I'm part of you in a sense. Like it's, it's kind of us going through it, you know, as, as maybe always been my perception with it. <laughs> You're always willing, like from the very beginning. And I really appreciate that. So thank you. I appreciate you, Ben. <laughs> I appreciate you too. Now, before we get too sappy on here, we'll go ahead and close it out. Give me out of um, here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this, was, this was an update. This was an update to show you where I am as a human to introduce or reintroduce you to the human that, that puts me, Courtney, the human first and, and always has. Now, if you loved Max on this podcast, tell us in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. I hope that this update has answered some of your questions about where I've been, what the fuck has been going on with me, am I stable, am I okay, and are we going to be moving forward? And the answer is yes, 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 and yes. <laughs> Keeping up with the fucking truth doctor. Keeping up with Courtney. <laughs> yeah, rings a little better. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See you. See you in two weeks. <laughs> Bye. Ha, ha, ha.